asking can be found on page 1175, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Luke uh, chapter 19 verses 1 to 10 and can be found on page 1053 in your church Bibles. That's Luke 19 verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Helen and Delia.
great. So I'm hoping in a minute that my PowerPoint will come up. That's the plan. Yep, it's not shown on here yet, but it is there. I did put it on control. Did it connect? Yes. I do love technology. However, we'll just have to manage without. So, I love this passage that Delia just read. The book of Ephesians is possibly one of my favorite books in the Bible. Although, every time I say that, thanks darling, every time I say that, I realize that I've got many, many other favorite books in the Bible as well. But when, um, when Neil told me that I was on the preaching rota and we were going to have this passage, I was really excited because we had this passage read at our wedding. I wasn't a Christian then, and all I can remember is that the word power came up a number of times. So it might be worth having it open. So as we look at it again, it's on page 1175 of the Church Bibles. So as Rowena said earlier, for those of you who are visitors or are new today, we are working our way through the book of Ephesians. And so far, we've learned that we are chosen and cherished. We've learned that we're part of a new family of God. We've been given a new hope and out of Jesus' glorious inheritance, we've had riches, and we've been given power, and that is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, so that is amazing power. We've also learned that we've been saved by grace, which is the ultimate gift. Barriers between Gentiles and Jews have been broken down, and we have been set free to pass on this glorious message, because that grace is freely available to all. And that's why Paul starts this passage with for this reason, because he is telling us all that's gone before in these first chapters. So, because God is who he is, because he has made us alive in Christ, because he's established the church as his people, and because Gentiles are also included in this church. And that's why Paul is praying for them, the Ephesians, but also he's praying for us, the church, and the church, us, and believers everywhere, we now get to call God Father because of Jesus, because of our relationship with Jesus, which takes us to the Father. So we have that intimate relationship that allows us to be called children of God. And that is from where our family name is derived. So the first point that I want to consider is this. Paul prays. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, this isn't just a wussy little bit of power. This is, as I said before, this is the power that comes out of God's glorious riches. This power is without limits. It's beyond our imagination. We can't understand on our own just how much God wants to give us. It's just too much. We get glimpses of it as we listen to the Bible and as we read these letters and as we read the Bible, but it is only a glimpse. And this power that's available to us, if we don't have it in our lives, 
It's not because God has run out, because God's riches don't run out. So it may be because we haven't asked for it. Or maybe we don't believe that God would give it to us. Or maybe we just haven't accepted it. How many times do we pray not quite believing that God will answer our prayers? How many times do we ask for a miracle not quite believing that God will work a miracle? Because sometimes we do doubt, don't we? And yet, we're told we can have that power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead because of God's great love for us. A few weeks ago, there was um, a match at Fratton Park in the Checker Trade Trophy, Saints v. Pompey. And we all knew that Saints were going to win because, although it pains me to say it, they are a superior team, although I would question that after their match against Leicester a couple of weeks ago. But as many of you are aware, there is a fierce rivalry between Pompey and Saints. And in the past, when these two teams have played, there's been violence. There's had to be huge police presences, whether it's in Southampton or here in Portsmouth, because of the violence that there has often been between these fans. Also, there have been horrible, horrible songs that have been sung by one set of fans to the other and then from them back again. So it's been both ways, but those songs have been abusive and foul and just really, really horrible. So when some of us found out that these two teams had been drawn to play at Fratton Park, we started praying. So some of us met together and we prayed, um, and then we prayed again the next week, and a few people before the match, prayer walked around the ground praying for that evening. Sue and I were lucky enough to go to the match, and as we walked up to the ground, we were praying, and I prayed that God would stop the voices of those who wanted to sing those horrible songs. Now, that's a huge prayer, because there are going to be 18,000 people there in the stadium. Humanly speaking, that's not possible. How's that going to work? But I pray to a big God who answers big prayers. And that match was amazing. There wasn't any violence apart from one incident that I've heard of that involved a police horse. But other than that, there was nothing. There was nothing on the news, nothing about the violence. And inside the stadium, the atmosphere was amazing. Yes, we were all singing, but we were singing in support of our team. I didn't hear any foul songs being sung at the opposing fans. And actually, I, didn't, I don't really remember hearing any swearing either. Our God is a big God. His power is limitless. So, how and where do we receive this power? Paul prays that we will be strengthened through the Holy Spirit in our inner being. The Holy Spirit lives in us as soon as we have accepted Jesus into our lives. And he says that we are to be strengthened in our inner being. So that's in our soul, in the very depth of who we are. It's not just head knowledge. Because many people in our world know stuff about Jesus. But this is more than that. This is, to be fully alive in Christ, we need to know him in our hearts, in our inner beings. Because that is what changes us. That is where we see lives being transformed. Just having head knowledge about Jesus doesn't really make much sense in this world. 
Because people might say, or they may even believe a little bit, that Jesus is the Son of God. And they might know his story. But until we believe and trust that he is the Son of God, who brings us to the Father through the cross, restoring our relationship with our Creator, living in us and guiding us in our thoughts and our actions, in all we do, we won't have that ability to stand firm in our faith. We won't have the ability to stand firm in the face of, a, of opposition. We won't live in a way that proclaims who Jesus is and we'll be afraid to tell people about our faith. And that's why Paul prays for us in verse 17. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the word dwell tells us that Jesus will live in our hearts. He will make his home there. And I'm sure many of you have heard the analogy of inviting Jesus into your home or your life, but not allowing him access to all the rooms. But if we want to experience Christ in all his fullness, he needs access to the whole house. So that might mean your kitchen and thinking about the food you eat. So spiritually speaking, with what do you feed your heart and mind? What do you put in there? What's your thought life like? With what do you fill your head? Is it violent films, unsuitable books, bad language, negative thoughts, time-wasting internet viewing? Would you want Jesus to see all of that? Or maybe the living room where you rest and relax. How do you spend your time? What are your hobbies? Would you invite Jesus to share those with you? Or maybe your bedroom where you can be truly yourself, where all your deepest secrets are hidden. Is Jesus allowed in there? Yes, as soon as we accept Jesus into our lives, we are saved. But that is only the beginning of so much more. We need to trust him with our whole lives, opening up all of those secret places in our hearts so that he can bring wholeness and healing so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. So the two questions for this section just are, do you pray big enough prayers? And will you let Jesus into your life? So the next point that I want to consider is about being rooted and established in love. Because Paul prays that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Being rooted is a picture we see throughout the Bible, in the Psalms, in Jeremiah, and in Ezekiel, just to name just a few of them. And there are two purposes for roots. One is to provide sustenance for growth. So the nutrients and the water are absorbed through the roots, and they allow the plant to grow. The second one is to provide stability in the face of storms. Because with a strong root system, the tree can survive the strong winds that will buffet against it. And don't we too need strong roots? Don't we need strong roots? And if our faith is rooted in Jesus through reading and studying and knowing the Bible, 
by knowing Jesus through a vibrant prayer life, through being filled with the Holy Spirit, in stepping out and trusting him, then our faith will grow. Our faith will continue to mature and flourish, and we won't be shriveled and stunted. I know what sort of faith I would like to have. And so, that means I need to consciously make an effort to spend time with Jesus. I know that I need to read the Bible every day, and I do pretty much most days. I have a reading plan which takes me through the Bible in a year, and I love it. It means I don't miss out the tricky parts. I don't always understand them, but I am at least reading them. And even though I've read through the Bible several times now, there are still verses or passages which leap out at me, and I think, oh, I don't remember seeing that before. I didn't know that was in there. Because God's word is alive. He speaks to us through his word. And I know that I also need to make time for prayer, because when I don't pray, then my day doesn't fit together so well. So, and also we know, don't we, that Paul writes elsewhere in his letters that we need to pray without ceasing. And we need to find where that works for us. For me, I pray quite a lot in the car, but it is okay because I do keep my hands on the wheel and I do keep my eyes open. But for me, that's a good place to pray because I can have a great conversation with Jesus as I am just driving to and from places. Sometimes I'll put on a worship CD as well because when I'm worshipping, that leads to prayer and to praise. So for me, the car works really well. So it is worth thinking, how can we grow our faith? How can I grow strong roots? So I'm in a life group, and I'm part of a connect group. And for me, those two small groups are absolutely vital in my growing of my faith. Because in those groups, I get to pray and study with a small group of people. And we pray for one another, and we support, and we encourage one another. So maybe, if you're not in a life group already, it might be worth thinking about joining one. So talk to Neil afterwards or at some stage because it's been, it's been really vital for growing my faith. Or maybe you need to think about um, how you can improve the regularity of your Bible reading. So find a Bible reading plan that works for you. There's hundreds of them around. You can either get physical notes to follow through or there are lots of apps that are available on the phone. There's lots of ways that you can find help to read the Bible more regularly, but it is so worth it. And then also, we need to think about how do we structure more prayer time into our lives? I don't know anybody who thinks that they pray enough. So I think building prayer into our life, learning to listen better to Jesus, being more aware of him as we go through the day, that will improve our prayer life and grow our roots. Because actually, if we consciously spend time growing our faith, then when those storms come, and they will, the strong roots will enable us to hold on to the truth of who God is. Because as I'm sure is true for most of you, for many of you, I too have had some storms in my life. And a few years ago, our family went through a particularly stormy and turbulent and violent season. And I know that it's only because of my faith, our faith, that we got through it. At the time, 
It was horrible. It was more horrible than words can say. I shouted at God a lot. I cried a lot. And I despaired. I just didn't see how things could get better. And yet, through all of that, I knew that God was still there. His love was holding us all. And I knew also that just because I didn't understand how or when it was going to get better, I knew that God was not going to let us go. And my roots held, and I am forever grateful. And so Paul prays that being rooted and established in love, we may have power to understand just how amazingly big God's love really is. It's big in all directions. I love this. It's so wide that it encompasses all humanity. It's so wide that our sins are are as far removed from the East as is from the West. It's so long that it lasts for eternity. It's so high that a place has been prepared for us in heaven. We are going to be lifted up into the highest places to sit with Christ as co-heirs of the kingdom. That is high. And it is so deep that God's love reaches down to the worst of the worst sinners. God's love is so deep that Christ himself became a man and came down to earth and he took our sins and he died on the cross. That's how deep God's love is. So that is big love in all directions. So the question is, how can you become more rooted and established in the love of Christ? Finally, in verse 19, Paul prays, for us to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God so this love surpasses knowledge there's no way that without the holy spirit we can understand this love of christ it doesn't make sense the world can't explain it why would god sacrifice his only son for you and for me worldly love doesn't normally work like that worldly love is often based on attraction or on friendship or perhaps what you can get out of a relationship. Sometimes worldly love might be based on good intentions or ideas of fairness or tolerance, but God's love goes far, far beyond all of that. God's love is for us all, and he doesn't wait until we're sorted out before he loves us. Luckily, he loves us even when we're still selfish and even when we still get things wrong. And Paul is praying for us that we will know this great love and be filled with the fullness of God. And that means that we become all that we can be in Christ. That we might attain spiritual maturity. That we might reflect the character of God and reflect the glory of Christ. That we may learn to love like he does. I'm sure we've all known friends who, in that first flush of passionate love, the conversation is all about that person, what he or she said, what he or she did, where they went on their first date, where they're going on their next date. All they can talk about is that new love that they have in their lives. What if we knew Jesus' love like that? What if our conversation and our life was all about Jesus? What if we were so passionately in love with Jesus that we wanted to tell everyone about him. 
Some years ago, I was at a meeting to discuss some crafts that we were going to do at a women's day. And as we were waiting for the last couple of people to arrive, I happened to mention this new craft shop that I discovered. I'd never been there before, called The Range. And I was really excited about it, and I started, you know, sort of telling everybody about all the different things that I'd seen. And then somebody else joined in, and they said, oh, yes, it's a great shop, and I, you can get this and this and this, and it's really cheap. And then someone else said, yes, and did you know that you could get this at The Range as well? And then another person said, where is this shop? So all three of us, at the same time, tried to start telling this person where to go, how to find the range. There was such a huge level of excitement as we talked about the range, and I just thought, how good would it be if actually we talked about Jesus like this? We need to take these opportunities to talk that are given to us. So last year, we thought about our 100-word stories, didn't we? What difference has knowing Jesus made in your life? And we were encouraged to share those stories. So I just wonder how many of us took up that challenge, because it is scary. But if we have good news, we have to pass it on. Just like Neil was showing us with the rugby ball illustration last week, we need to pass on that good news. Next spring, J. John is coming to Portsmouth to speak at an event called Just One. We as Christians get to invite our non-Christian friends to come and to hear the gospel. And the idea is that it's just one friend to hear just one message about just one saviour. So we as a church need to get behind this initiative. We need to invite our non-Christian friends. If we think Jesus is worth anything at all, if we believe that we are saved by grace, which is available to everyone, let's do something about it. So who will you ask? Start praying now. So I've been thinking about and praying about this passage for a while as I built up to this morning, and it's just overwhelming in its glory. Paul can't find enough adjectives to describe God's love and grace. And I'm so excited by all that Jesus has done for me, and I long for everyone to know this grace and this love. So imagine a church that was so filled with the love of Christ that we are willing to serve generously beyond what is sensible. Imagine a church so amazed by the grace of God that our fellowship is closer than you have with friends and relatives. Imagine a church so overwhelmed by the mercy of God that forgiveness is normal and a natural behavior. Then we would be a church that's growing in maturity. We would be shining God's glory and grace into a dark and hurting world. I want to be a church like that. So, strengthened with power in our inner being, rooted and established in love, filled to all the fullness of God. Do we pray big enough prayers? How can we become more rooted and established in God's love? In what sort of church do you want to be? So I'm just going to finish with Paul's words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.